Are you looking for inspiration and words of wisdom so you can go out and launch your own business? This is the Lost and Founded podcast, bringing you raw and relatable stories of successful entrepreneurs, committed startups and personal experiences that are here to inspire, inform and influence. My name is Stephanie. My name is Molly. In this season of the Lost and Founded podcast, we are spotlighting entrepreneurs with a purposeful business, highlighting their personal journey and recognising the value they create. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Sarah Jordan, the founder and CEO of You Underwear, an ethical business producing 100% organic cotton underwear. Originally training in geography, Sarah built a website to teach children about the weather and consequently was inspired to enter the tech sector where she gained a wealth of experience working for Tech for Good companies. After working with the likes of Oxfam and MS Society in high-profile positions, she made the decision to create her own strategic consultancy focusing on business transformation, strategy and organisational change. Sarah's unexpected venture into the entrepreneurial world was inspired by a trip she took in 2016 to Uganda, While volunteering in the Ugandan Marathon programme, she came face to face with pressing issues surrounding the accessibility of underwear for women and children in the local villages. Believing that underwear should be universally available to people in all communities, she took action upon her return home. She began her investigation into manufacture and produce underwear and began learning about fashion industry issues. She then decided to make sustainability a core value of this rapidly blooming business idea. Welcome, Sarah. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you both. Uh, Lovely to be here. I'm good, thank you. Fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about you underwear from your own words and what your day-to-day routine entails? Yes, um, thank you. Well, the intro, you sort of gave a bit of an overview of what we do. Um, I call ourselves a sustainable business, sustainable underwear, um, ethical underwear. We are essentially, we have, again, what I say is a simple mission of trying to change the world one pair of pants at a time. It's all about uh, sourcing sustainably. So making sure everything is produced fairly, people are treated and paid fairly through the fashion industry, using only fully certified organic cotton and then donating underwear for every pair we sell. So the whole point is providing underwear to kind of you and I as customers, but actually making sure that other people benefit from that as well, um, which I can tell you a bit more about. Routine, routine. There isn't, there isn't a routine. I think is the shortest answer to that one. When you're running a small business and you're doing it with a tiny, tiny team, um, every day is different, which is probably part of what I love about it. So I think there's a constant mix of juggling running the business, um, working in it as well as working on it. So trying to keep looking forwards as well as just day-to-day operational stuff, which is a huge part. Um, and we've obviously had a, got a shop relatively recently as well. So I'm working in the shop, trying to uh, manage, find people to work in there, trying to look at how we grow that, grow our presence locally and staff it and stock it, et cetera, et cetera. So it is a constant juggle. Um, I think I said when I, in the intro to start with, when I was talking to you at the beginning, before we got online, um, I've been on back-to-back calls today. So it's kind of balancing um, the need to uh, do meetings, calls, conversations, moving the business forwards, all of that marketing activity and getting thinking time. And it kind of means that you're either juggling all of those 
within a day or you have days and today has been one of those kind of meeting days when I've put everything in because I've got a rare day out of the shop so it's been a bit of a a juggle um, and our priorities at the moment are just around sales around recruitment new products innovations across impact etc so again everything across the business so long way of saying there is no routine and no uh, kind of standard day it's all varied Sounding very busy. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction there, we're spotlighting purposeful businesses this season. Um, how would you define what a purposeful business to you and what makes you underwear one? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So I think um, a purposeful business, I suppose, is anything or any business driven by a, a purpose beyond just profit and making money. So having a bigger cause that they want to work towards, that they want to tackle. Um, whether that's social, whether that's environmental, whether it's local, global, et cetera, but something that motivates them to make a difference or on the flip side frustrates them and they want to kind of improve. And the business is almost secondary to that. Um, certainly from our perspective, that's not why we exist. I didn't set it up to run a business. I don't almost see it as that, but we do have to make money to survive and to have the impact that we want to but it's, we are very much driven by making a difference and solving the problems caused, as I said, by lack of underwear um, and the bigger piece around that. So that's kind of our purpose. What makes us purposeful is, is exactly that. So we're trying to empower women and girls in the UK and internationally by providing underwear, which has the longer term impact of allowing them to stay in school. Um, and continue with education, continue with employment and be an active part of their community. So it's kind of that economic independence. Um, so that's the bigger reason that we exist rather than just selling underwear and making money, essentially. Fantastic, thank you. Uh, can you tell us more about the experiences that led you to set up your underwear and what are some of the issues at hand? You've already mentioned some, but if you go in a little bit more detail, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, so I think you said at the start, I. Uh, it was inspired by a trip to Uganda. So I was volunteering as part of the Uganda Marathon Programme, which is a, a run, essentially, to bring the community together through sport, but also supporting local community groups and projects out there. So you're living in the community, volunteering um, in a place called Masaka in Uganda. And I was there in 2016 and was working with a group of women, female entrepreneurs who were making sanitary towels and nappies um, for themselves, for the local community and as a small business and trying to get off that, that, get that off the ground. And they were struggling and it turned out to be because a lot of the women locally didn't have any underwear. So there was no point having the sanitary products and towels because they didn't have any underwear to put them in, which aside from the kind of business thing really struck me as just such a fundamental item it's literally the first thing you put on in the morning it's an item of clothing that we completely take for granted I used to work at Oxfam and other charities I, I've worked in international development I know some of these challenges but underwear just wasn't something that I've really thought about um, but it was having such a huge impact so in Uganda where I was it was about one in ten of the local women and girls didn't have any underwear what that meant was as well as the kind of obvious health and hygiene issues, they weren't able to go to school. So when they had their periods, they would miss a week of school each month. That's 25% of your education just because you don't have a pair of pants. And that basically stuck with me as, as I said, either that motivator or the thing that really 
because I pissed, pissed me off. Um, and when I wanted to do something about it and then started looking into how could we provide underwear? How could we do that on a sustainable long-term basis? Not just kind of drop stuff off once, but actually really help support people long-term. How could we, how do you manufacture it? I discovered uh, cotton obviously is better for you, particularly an item that's close to your skin. It's much more natural fiber than some of the synthetic uh, underwear that we, that we wear. But actually conventional cotton is the world's most polluting crop, causes a huge amount of harm. Loads of pesticides, insecticides, chemicals, a uh, lot more water and energy intensive than um, than it, it needs to be effectively. And that was just causing huge problems from the farmers right the way through. And there was a suicide rate amongst Indian cotton farmers equivalent to one every 30 minutes. And again, that was another kind of light bulb just going, this isn't right. Uh, we think it's a natural crop, but actually it's incredibly harmful. And then the fashion industry more broadly even more so, treats people terribly, mostly women again, um, pays them terribly, really bad working conditions, huge problems. And I basically, well, the short version is that I joined those together and wanted to kind of tackle all three. So I didn't want to empower on one end by donating underwear, giving underwear and exploit on the other end. So I had to kind of join those together and said, well, we're gonna source it sustainably that's where that side comes from. That's where the organic cotton comes from. We only use fully certified organic cotton. And then we donate pairs for every pair we sell as well. So that we're trying to tackle that um, shortage of underwear, both in the UK and internationally to try and, as I said, keep women and girls in school, basically. Some really eye-opening and shocking statistics in there. Um, so focusing in on something you just said at the end there, um, you underwear operates the buy one give two promise. Could you tell us a bit more about that and the partnership that you have with Smooths for Alls? Yeah, so we work. I mean, again, uh, wanting to tackle and provide underwear, I wanted to do that in as sustainable a way as possible. Basically, not even sustainable, kind of the best way. Um, so, identified Smooths for All early on, who are our key or our core main charity partner because they're the experts in that area essentially so I didn't want to just be the person that kind of flies in donates underwear but working very much with an expert who knows where the need is greatest and they also work with local organizations on the ground in each country where they support people so again it's identifying where the need is where we're going to have the biggest impact and letting them as the experts focus in that area, essentially. So that's how they worked. That goes back to my kind of experience with Oxfam and understanding that you need to have local partners and local implementation because um, it's much more effective and just the right way to do it, to be honest. And so we work with Smalls for All. We originally had a buy one, give one model. Um, and we did that because it's very tangible for people to understand exactly what their impact is. So if they buy three pairs of underwear for us, from us, we donate three pairs. We then had um, about for the last three years, we've had a partnership with uh, a business in Woking, actually. Um, somebody that supported what we were doing really saw the benefit and have effectively matched our donations. So that's why we now have buy one, give two. So it means when you buy a pair, we donate a pair and they also donate a pair. So that's kind of the matched funding model that allows us to have buy one, give two. So effectively doubling our impact, which is amazing. 
the initial target I set was to donate 23,000 pairs by 2023, mainly because it was a wrong, it was a big round number. Um, and it made sense at the time, five years ago when I set that, not really thinking that we would necessarily get there, but having that kind of stretch target to go for. In reality, we are about 21, 22,000 pairs. So we will get there and we will probably get there a year ahead. So I think we're on track to hit that this year, which is amazing because that's huge um, achievement, something I'm really proud of and has just been through the support of uh, the OneSwift group, who are the business that support us and our customers ultimately, because it's their purchases that allow us to do this and to have that impact. So that's um, the donation side of it. We also collect secondhand bras for Small for All because they distribute those as well to help support women again around the world who don't have access to them. Um, and we work with other charities. So we introduced a what we call our Mara range, which is inspired by Maasai beadwork. So some bright African colors, which uh, we have a designer in Nairobi who designed those for us and they support with a buy one, give one model to communities in Kenya and Tanzania, obviously the Maasai communities there. Our pink collection supports a breast cancer charity called Future Dreams. And a lot of our other products, particularly in our Oxford shop, are supporting local charities as well. So it's kind of bringing that donation model in some way into everything that we do so that we can try and make a difference um, so that your individual purchases as a customer and everything we do as a business has a positive impact. That's amazing. And congratulations on being so far into your target as well. Um, Thank you. Yes, that was a, and yeah, when we hit it this year, later this year at some point, um, that would be very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, having trained in geography and worked in the tech industry, how did you find your journey to becoming an entrepreneur and founder? Going back to you for a little bit. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think the one word description would be unexpected <laughs> as you said trained in geography I always wanted to be a weather forecaster that was my ambition because I loved that um, but in reality did geography uh, meteorology and IT and at the time um, many years ago when I was studying the IT bit of that the computing side was uh, looking at web development bit basically and how I could kind of use um, internet technology to improve um, uh, well I started with a weather website for kids so in education basically how we could use kind of tech for for good in the education space was doing that back in Oxford did a master's back in Oxford worked at OUP for many years um, looking again at how we could use technology to improve kind of education um, across their work and then moved to Oxfam and that sort of journey, I suppose, into the much more directly charity and impact space because I wanted to make a difference. And it was something that I was really passionate about. How Oxfam, for example, some of the other charities, I worked for the MS Society, National Trust, a few others, how they could use technology to improve what they do, either in a marketing communications fundraising perspective, so predominantly here, but also kind of programmatically. So Oxfam on the ground, how could it use uh, mobile phones to improve data collection um, or to provide access to supplies in an emergency and to money to help people survive when they've been caught in an earthquake or anything else. So looking at that side of it and also for people that are suffering um, 
and impacted by illnesses such as multiple sclerosis again how could you use that to help them track their symptoms improve access to information etc that was a complete pivot then when i went to uganda and saw that problem and it was just something that i couldn't get out of my head wanted to tackle not having worked in fashion or manufacturing or run my own business meant that I could ask the stupid questions um, and do something differently and really challenge the model, I suppose, in that way. It meant I had no idea what I was doing and was learning a huge amount as I went and made lots of mistakes along the road. But it enabled me to kind of do something a bit different. So it wasn't what I was expecting. I never thought I'd be running my own business. I never thought I'd work in fashion. So it's all new. And going back to the kind of what is a standard day, there isn't. It's all new. It's all learning. It's all trying to kind of do the best that you can. Um, and it's certainly a very different place, I guess, that I am in now from that original geography, tech, charity side. But all driven by wanting to make a difference, I suppose, at some level. Does sound like a very purpose-driven journey. All very, um, all your work's been sort of supporting others and purposeful in some way. Um, I think it joins together more in hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> you can connect the dots much more when you look back on it and even starting the business, kind of saying, well, it was the underwear, then it was the organic cotton, then it was the sourcing sustainably in fashion. That took a couple of years to kind of join those dots. So, yes, it makes much more sense when you look back on it. Um, at the time, it was just kind of doing stuff that I was passionate about and, um, and just taking as opportunities, I guess. Yeah. Amazing. Um, what methods of funding did you use to kickstart your business in, in the early days? And do you have any recommendations for those that are looking to start their own business and may need financial aid? Uh, so we have always self-funded, so kind of bootstrapped the business um, from the start. The only addition to that was actually doing a crowdfunding campaign in the end of 2017, 2018, to launch our first range. So once we'd gone through the whole, um, we're gonna do this by making underwear, essentially, um, we got our first product range out, thanks to a crowdfunding campaign. We did a campaign on Kickstarter at the end of 2017, which involved us fulfilling those orders just before Christmas. So we raised the money, we're able to develop the products and then sort of send those out to customers effectively. Um, so that was, an initial input to get that first range out there. And then everything else since then and around that was, as I said, was self-funding. Um, originally working on the business part-time so that I could get the money somewhere else, which would use to pay me, pay my bills, support me and put everything else into the business. So when you're running a small business, that tends to be one of the main ways of doing it basically is to just invest everything you can save as much money as you can and tip it into the business. Friends and family have supported more help with the business than actually nobody was in a position kind of to, to fund it and support me financially, but more just getting involved in, in helping, um, you know, at quality checking, sending orders, modeling, whatever it is. My friends and family have been amazing at supporting that. But um, as I said, yeah, we've self-funded all the way through and have been very keen to keep doing that as well. I didn't want to take on any debt. Um, I wasn't, I didn't want to lose any equity either. 
um, and kind of because I think of our impact and the sustainability, it would need to be somebody that really understood what we were trying to achieve because we're not going to return at the same speed or same level as many businesses, kind of having that purpose behind it. There's a bigger mission that we're trying to tackle, not just um, making money. So that's been a real consideration. And I think in terms of recommendations, it's I, my advice would still be avoid debt when you can, because interest rate, you know, it will all change and then you're not beholden to anybody if you have that flexibility. Obviously, it's not always um, an option for everybody. Crowdfunding is a possibility, but it's really hard work. I think it's often seen as a silver bullet and free money, but it is definitely not. There's a huge amount of work to kind of raise that, essentially. Um, I think the best view is if you can get out there and make the money through sales, starting small and gradually growing that, then that's the best way and to limit your costs where possible as well. So that's probably my background in charities influencing that where we have no budgets and you have to be very creative about how everything that you do, particularly around marketing. And our view, my view with you has always been doing it ourselves until we literally can't. So I still have everything. I've got all the underwear in my house. I've got hundreds of boxes of pants that are here. We store it all. We kind of, that's our warehouse distribution center. I'd still pack and post the orders myself um, write the cards, thanking customers, do it all until we really, really can't, because that's just made it much more affordable, essentially. And we now um, have those global customers and can um, can do it. But it's been very much starting small and being sustainable in that sense as well. Amazing. That's really good advice. Uh, you've recently opened your shop in the Oxford covered market as well. Um, is this your only physical premises? And if so, how did you find setting up the store? How, how is it going? Yeah, so it is our own, uh, our only, sorry, premises. Um, we, from the start, we're an online business. Um, obviously in lockdown, we became 100% online. We used to do the odd pop-up Christmas markets and things like that, which was a great way to reach customers. But this was our first dipping our toe in the retail space physical retail, which was a huge leap. There's no other way to describe it. Um, basically, the opportunity came up because, so in Oxford's, the Oxford covered market is run by the city council, um, owned by them. And there were lots of empty units as a result of high costs in the city, to be honest, and also COVID. So quite a few businesses have closed. There were a lot of empty units in there. And they partnered with an organization called MakeSpace, who had a Meanwhile in Oxford program, which was basically buddying up small businesses locally who wanted a space and could use a space um, with those available premises. So for us, it was retail, it was a shop in the cover market, and we got that. Uh, we opened in late November last year, so just before Christmas. Um, it took a while to kind of get everything agreed. And they, we were one of four businesses that they picked that were small local businesses that had a purpose that could come in and fill that retail space and just provide a presence and basically fill the space over Christmas so the market looked a bit better. Um, so that was a four-month trial from November till the end of February, which went well. It's very hard. It's hard work. Um, and it's hard work running. I was in there seven days a week for that whole period and still am mostly. And it's, it's hard to run the business as well, um, because as I said, we were predominantly online. So we weren't just in the shop. We had to keep the rest of the business going. Um, but we 
extended when we finished at the end of February, we extended to the end of March, then the end of April. Um, it's now obviously May and we're negotiating with the council to get a one year lease um, for a slightly different unit in the market. So we'll be moving to a more central space. That's a bit cheaper, to be honest, but will allow us to just have that longer term test because it has a role much more than just sales. So in terms of meeting customers, research, awareness, just getting known locally and having a presence in, in Oxford, particularly I grew up in Oxford. I was at school here. I was at, uh, I did my master's at Brooks actually. So I kind of, I'm very much part of the city and the community and I love it. And it's been amazing because the cover market was somewhere when I was at school that was the place to go and to have our own shop there is amazing. Um, and we're trying to do that, as I said, for, for a year to just see if we can kind of make it work and get out there and meet more customers. Um, so it's been an amazing experience, really hard work. Um, I'm still in there and we're desperately recruiting. So if you know anybody that wants to work in a lovely little sustainable business in Oxford, then do point them at us. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a brilliant experience for us over the past few months. I'm glad to hear it's been going so well, especially that you've been able to extend even since February and keep going. And I wish you best of luck with your year tenancy as well. Thank you. <laughs> You've mentioned a few times that obviously your business is sustainable. Um, your business has been given the B Corp accreditations as well as being labelled Fair Trade and Peter Approved Vegan. How did you find the process of obtaining these? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, we So we've always had the individual, I suppose what I'd say, the individual certifications, the kind of specialist areas of being Fair Trade certified, of GOTS, which is the Global Organic Textile Standard, because we wanted to make sure that both environmentally and socially, we kind of had all of that accreditation. We're a living wage employer, et cetera, because we kind of want to do the best in each of the different individual areas. And that's the same with the, the uh, vegan thing as well. The B Corps was just the pinnacle of that, I suppose. That is the most holistic map of everything that you're doing as a business so we can do it across our fabrics we can do it across our kind of manufacturing processes and how we employ people here but also but that's the one that really maps absolutely everything that you do as a business so it's across five core areas of community workers environment customers and governance i think is the fifth one and it basically looks at absolutely everything that you do so from your legal structure are you actually reporting and having to do this stuff as well as just saying that you are? Um, how do you treat people basically across every element? And it's the most rigorous process that I've ever been through, um, but therefore, but also the most valuable on that basis. So it took us, we started in the first lockdown. So that was one of probably the only benefit to come out of COVID and 2020. Um, was the ability to step back and actually look at the business, our priorities, and do some of the work on the business that you never get a chance to do when it's just kind of normal operating because you're focusing on just keeping going day to day. And But it took us about a year, 18 months to fully go through that process, to do all the research, to answer and complete the 200 questions that you have to do, the uh, B impact assessment, and then go through the verification process as well. So you have to answer the questions and then they want proof basically that you're really doing it so that took us through till November last year 2021 um, and we actually certified as the highest 
scoring B Corp in the UK. So we are the top. We are officially the most sustainable business, in quotes, which is amazing. And we're also the highest fashion brand in the world, which, again, is I am. I was. I just kept refreshing. Basically, when I kept seeing the score coming through, I was just pressing it again, going, "Really? That's amazing." Um, really exciting. A huge validation, I suppose, of all the hard work and all the decisions where you make huge compromises to be sustainable, to kind of meet all those requirements, and it costs you so much more than it would if you were doing it a different way, and it takes so much longer. Um, so it made all of that kind of worth it. And I think it helps add credibility to what we're saying to customers because we can say, well, actually, no, somebody else has said that we are doing this and we're doing it well. Um, And I think it's really beneficial from a greenwashing perspective as well, particularly in fashion, where there's so many high street fast fast fashion brands that say they're doing this. And then you're like, yeah, really. Um, But we can actually say it is possible as a fashion business. You can do something differently. You can do it well and you cannot screw people and the planet in relentless pursuit of profit you can actually do something um, nicely and do it better so that's kind of my driver is to now show that business can be a force for good and our b core certification is definitely a huge part of that and it's a big growing area as well in terms of businesses trying to certify and certifying which is also great i think as a move to do something better that's absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> congratulations again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, can you tell us about your support system? So whether that be personal in or in work, you know, those people that helped you to get to that point. Yeah. Um, I suspect there's probably not as many boundaries between the personal and work as there are in other situations. I think that's one of the, when you're running a small business, I mean, we're a team, we do have people helping in the shop, although again, that's kind of one of the challenges, but actually we're a team of two or three people. So we're a tiny business. So as I said earlier, friends, family have been a huge support. Um, My now business partner who's involved, we're a tiny team. So everybody does everything and friends and family have been involved from day one in quality checking I made my dad on his 80th birthday model in his underwear because one of our principles is using real bodies. We don't airbrush anything. We want all shapes and sizes. We want to be inclusive. Um, And so anybody that shows any interest in that sort of stuff gets roped in quite quickly. Um, And so they've been a great support whilst also probably thinking I was crazy to switch from like in brackets, proper job to running my own thing. Other support wise, I think, so I've met some amazing people doing something similar, I suppose, in the last few years. I'm part of um, an informal kind of peer mentoring, coaching kind of like therapy group, probably. We just go for walks, drinks, coffee, tea. And it's amazing. You need that group of people who are doing something similar, because I think the difference between running your own business and having a proper job is so different in terms of the risks the rewards the context everything is very different um, and you need people that understand that to be able to really support either in terms of direct advice somebody that's ahead of you they're you know been running their business for a little bit longer 
or just as a sounding board and somebody that can just it is often therapy when we sit down together because it's like this is what I'm doing you're constantly juggling it's really busy really tough some big decisions and you've got other people's livelihoods and when you're a sustainable business trying to have an impact you've got other people's lives as well that you're trying to help so yeah finding a group that can support you um i'm lucky to have been on different uh, a business accelerator last year that had a mentor so i think mentors coaches are hugely valuable as well if you've got access to that then it's definitely worth it because just somebody to think things through with be a sounding board be a cheerleader when you need them and just an extra brain on it because sometimes just talking is the thing that you need is just to get it out of your head because um, it's ultimately flexible in running your own business, but it's ultimately you never switch off either. So I think that's where it probably blurs as well, that your support system is a bit at home, is a bit in the office or wherever else. I don't know whether that answered it, but that's a long list of <laughs> amazing people behind the scenes. That does sound like some really good advice for listeners regarding seeking out mentorship and bits like that. And I'm glad to hear that you've got such a nice varied support network as well. Um, what's one of your favourite parts of, of your job? Blimey. Um, I, I genuinely love it. I absolutely love it. On a day-to-day basis, it's the hard one of the hardest things I've done. Um, it can be incredibly stressful, incredibly difficult, huge decisions, huge risks, no money, etc. But I love it. Um, I like the variety. I don't think I realised that when I was working kind of full time. I was always doing some course, some learning, something else, part time, volunteering, helping out, teaching English, whatever it was in the background. And I think I realised I needed to feel like I was making a difference and to have variety. And you definitely have variety when you're running your own business because you do everything. Um, I like learning, which is a good thing because I'm learning a lot. Um, and I like them making a different that impact as well. So particularly working with women and girls, because something amazing happens when you get a group of women together and you can genuinely improve people's lives by just keeping them in school and stuff like that. Again, particularly for women, because it has such an impact around health, well-being, economic independence, empowerment, child marriage, you know, everything kind of relates to that. So that's definitely hugely motivating for me is that I can directly do something there where I can see that it helps. Um, and on a day-to-day level, I love it. I'd never change it. <laughs> Possibly some of the all day meetings and kind of, it'd be nice if it was a bit less stressful at times, but on the whole, I absolutely love it. <laughs> and with that in mind, looking to the future, what is next for you underwear? Uh, Gosh, um, so that's that's probably one of the challenge. One of the big challenges is to keep facing forwards and trying to grow it and grow, what, improve what we're doing, as well as just focusing on literally day to day. We're working on more products, so we try to be inclusive in our images and in our sizing. Um, we've got nine women's sizes, so we got up to twenty-two. We're trying to increase that. We're developing new products that will help with that, so more supportive bralettes, for example, new products more coverage uh so we've got kind of product development range ranges new colors designs etc new partnerships that will help us to do that because i firmly believe in collaborating to to do things where you can um 
as I said, with our shop, we're moving units. So there's going to be a whole load around that and our presence in Oxford and how we can showcase. So as well as our own underwear, we showcase other small Oxford businesses, small local businesses, because I think it's important to kind of help each other and support local charities and also more sustainable products to encourage people to make those plastic swaps, etc. Um, we're looking at new fabrics. So trying to improve. We have a, a circular fashion um, or take back scheme because we're trying to improve our circularity. So, but one of the problems with that is that there is elastine, which is a plastic derivative essentially in the underwear because that gives you the stretch and fit and comfort, but that makes it hard to recycle. Um, so at the moment we recycle underwear with TerraCycle. So anything at the end of its life, not just our underwear, but any underwear socks tights we recycle, but we're trying to do a full fiber to fiber recycling scheme that will make sure that nothing ends up in landfill because that's really important um, from the end of life perspective. Um, as part of our B Corps, you, we have to recertify, but you also set goals in that interim three year period to improve everything that you're doing. So we're constantly working on that and our impact. We've committed to being, so we map everything to the UN Sustainable Development Goals and we've committed to being net zero by 2030. We want to do that before then. So again, there's a whole lot of work around that. Um, and then at a practical level, growing the business in terms of new channels, um, sales, trying to get out there and just uh, encourage more people to make sustainable lifestyle switches, for example. And then we're recruiting people all the time, desperately. So it's kind of, again, that balance of future direction for the business, setting new targets. Once we've hit our 23,000 pairs donated, what's our next goal on that side? Um, and then kind of day-to-day -day stuff as well. That sounds so amazing. I wish the best- A long list, <laughs> sorry. <Yeah. laughs> um, as we sort of start approaching the end of this podcast interview, um, we like to sort of shift the focus more to you. Um, uh, so our first question is, Focusing a little bit more on you, are you a fan of traveling and where's next on your bucket list? Oh gosh, I'm a massive fan of traveling. Partly growing up, my parents had hugely itchy, itchy feet and a camper van and used to drag us on long road trips. So I love that. And then with my work with Oxfam, I got to travel. I was very fortunate and that's also amazing. My challenge with it is knowing I need to balance that with my footprint flying is not great so I'm increasingly a fan of slow travel trains how can you do it more sustainably than just jumping on a plane because that isn't great um, so if I could do that with a low impact and still transport myself somewhere that would be amazing because I absolutely love seeing different parts of the world different cultures different people food etc so yeah that's probably my one thing that I spend time money and dreaming about um, Bucket list, uh, well, everything. There's no way that I wouldn't want to go. However, short term, medium term, I uh, need to want to go back to India. That's where we manufacture because that's where most of the organic cotton in the world is grown. And we're just moving manufacturers. Um, and I want to go and see them to meet them, to build the relationships and just see how they work, because that's part of our sort of transparency and trust is they have all the certifications, but I also want to go and see it for myself so that I've got confidence that they are doing things properly. Um, so that's on the list for this year. Now we can travel again because obviously nothing's happened in the last two years. 
um, and going out with Smalls for All as well. So that's also been a trip that's been planned for a couple of years, I think, to Sierra Leone. I'm not entirely sure. It depends at the time. But hopefully later this year or early next year to go and see the donations directly and go and work with the local organisations that are providing the underwear to people because that would be amazing. So it's less personal, but more kind of personal and business related. And if I get to do both of those together, then even better. Absolutely. And I'm sure it's really good for people to know as well that you've had that in-person contact. I think it's really important. It's good from my perspective. I want to have that trust and visibility and also, yeah, to, to explain to people that I've seen it. We've got pictures in our shop from the factory and kind of saying these are the people because mm. we think it's machines and robots that make our clothes. It's not. It's people. And you have to make that real to make people understand why you want to pay them properly and you know, that side of it and treat them well. So it's a really important part of um, how we run the business and from the donations as well, just seeing the impact. And then we can communicate to that to people because ultimately it's our customers that allow us to do it. So mm. yeah, they're two big trips I'm looking forward to. Brilliant. Uh, what are you currently reading at the moment? Or if you aren't a fan of reading, what are you watching? Uh, gosh, reading. Yes, love it. Um, <laughs> probably listening more than watching because I can do that. I've discovered that I need to combine things so I can listen to podcasts, audiobooks while I'm walking, running or trying to fit in a bit more me time, which is hard. Um, reading, I'm re what am I reading at the moment? All sorts. I've always got several books on the go. Um, Bloody Brilliant Women. I think it's called Kathy Newman's book about all the women behind the scenes through history that have kind of that are amazing, but tend to be lower profile. Um, Melinda Gates's book about female empowerment There's a bit of a theme here. Uh, the moment of lift, I think it's called kind of how education is really important to girls and everything that that brings. I'm a huge fan of people like Brené Brown, who does amazing. It's kind of a mix of personal development plus businessy stuff um autobiographies particularly if it's in a business sense as well so the story of patagonia green and blacks i read the sleep book relatively recently which i would highly recommend for anybody that thinks sleep is not important because it's the one thing that can make a huge difference to your health and well-being etc so why we sleep uh what am i listening to all sorts again a, a big fan of kind of audiobooks um i'm midway through uh no planet b and um simon sonic book and what else uh desert island discs i love as well which is a perfect time to go for a half an hour walk in the morning <laughs> um which i'm trying to do follow my lockdown ten thousand steps habit so yeah i'm a huge fan of that i think it's a combination of uh, lets me switch off but helps me think about other stuff and the business at the same time not as good at it as I would like to be, but I do love reading. Love that you combine them, and there's some really good recommendations in there. I have to add some other. I can give you a long list. book list. I've I've always got. I discovered when I did the um, accelerator last year with Cambridge, and um, we had to do a strength test, and one of mine was learning, and one of the traits of that is you also share your learning and basically inflict it on other people. So I'm constantly sending the team either books or book lists or recommendations and read this read this so I love it but I realize that not everybody else does but I am passionate about sharing stuff to read and always having book lists because I think it's 
I think it's interesting and it's a bit of escapism for me as well as learning, etc. So happy to share those. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Um, it's been such a pleasure to have you on season three of the Lost and Founded podcast. Um, where can our audience find out a bit more about yourself and keep up with your business's journey? Uh, so our, well, firstly, thank you. <laughs> Delighted to be invited. Very, um, that was very kind of you. Um, in terms of keeping up, I suppose, well, our website is probably the best starting point, which is youunderwear.com, www.youunderwear, all one word. Uh, that's got everything on it. If you sign up to our newsletter, we won't spam you, but we will plant a tree. Um, and hopefully it's kind of more focused on education and interest and, you know, nice things, useful content rather than salesy. And otherwise, all the social channels at you underwear UK uh, are, is our handle across the usual Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Um, and my email is just sarah at youunderwear.com. So happy for anybody to get in touch or find me on LinkedIn or anywhere else. That'd be amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you again. Really, yeah, really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. This has been the Lost and Founded podcast. If you liked this episode, make sure to head over to Instagram and let us know how you found it at Lost and Founded Pod. Wherever you listen to your podcast, be sure to follow and be notified about more inspiring stories and experiences. 